0: In his Summa Theologiae, Prima Secundae, question two, which is concerned with human happiness, Thomas Aquinas is going to consider a number of different candidates for what could be happiness? And one of the sets of things that, that he considers are what we can call goods of the body and goods of the soul. And this encompasses a wide range of things. These are different from, for example, pleasure, which he's considering in Article 6, which can be pleasure of the body or pleasure of the soul. Here he's considering things that you might say make the body or the soul good or consist in its life, its health, whatever it is that we want to to talk about as a good state for the body or the soul. And he considers these in article five for the goods of the body and article seven for the goods of the soul. So you might say, well, why is he even considering happiness in terms of the body. And there's some uh, arguments that he is providing here, arguments taken from others. So he says, it would seem that there's an objection one that, that a person's happiness consists in bodily goods and, and he cites scripture here. There is no riches above the, the health of the body, right? But happiness consists in best. So it would be the health of the body. And from a certain framework that makes a lot of sense. He also quotes Dionysus pseudo Dionysus on the divine names that treatise, that to be is better than to live and to live is better than all that follows. But for a human being, being and living the health of the body is is necessary. So bodily health would be what happiness would consist in as well. And then he makes an argument about causality, saying that the causality of the efficient cause consists in its flowing into something. So the causality of the end consists in drawing the appetite. And we would be looking at what attracts the desire of all, an argument that he made earlier in this section. And he says, But being itself is that which is most desired of all. So man's happiness consists most of all in things pertaining to one's being including the health of the body or its life in that one he's not saying that that would be exclusively what happiness would consist in but he's saying that health would play a role in that Now Thomas is going to reject that point of view and it's not surprising that he would and it's not simply because of a theological conviction or anything like that. This was a prevalent conception among ancient philosophers many of whom were pagans, some of whom were you know Jews or Christians that the goods of the body really don't measure up in relation to the goods of the soul. And then he also points out there's this interesting argument that, you know, if you think about our bodies, they're not really that great in relation to animal bodies, uh, other animals' bodies as well. But his answer is that it's impossible for human happiness to consist in the goods of the body for two distinct reasons and both of these have to do with the ways in which goods are ordered in relation to each other so he says if a thing be ordained ordinator in latin so you could say ordered as well to another as its end its last end cannot consist in the preservation of that being and he gives an analogy there between a captain and a ship and interestingly, he's going to say the captain does not intend as a last end the preservation of the ship entrusted to that captain. Now, we often, you know, when we, oh, the captain has to go down with the ship. We have this idea in mind that the captain is primarily concerned about this vehicle that uh, the captain is in charge of. And the captain is in charge of it. And it is a good thing to, to maintain the ship. But what's the point of the ship? It's to go from one place to another. It's not just to sail around for its own sake. The ship is not a, a living thing desiring to preserve itself for its own sake, the way, you know, you, you could argue that our body is to some degree. No, the captain's last end and the ship's last end is to transfer whatever is being moved from one place to another. So he says the ship is entrusted to the captain so that he may steer its course. We are like that ourselves in that we're given over to our will, our faculty of will, our faculty of choice and our faculty of reason. So he says that a human being is ordained as something to their end. So we're not the supreme good. What is the supreme good going to be? If you look ahead in the Summa Theologia, it's going to be God. So the last end of person's reason and will cannot be the preservation of our being, meaning the bodily preservation of our being. So the body serves a final end. Will and reason direct us, hopefully, towards that final end. And it's not that of the body. In considering the second argument, he specifies this a little bit more. He says, granted that the end of a person's will and reason be the preservation of their being, it could not be said that the end of a person is some good of the body. Why? Because our being consists in soul and body. This is Thomas Aquinas's hylomorphism. The soul informs the body. He says that the being of the body depends on the soul, but the being of the human soul does not depend on that of the body. And he clarifies two relations that the body and the soul have for each other. The very body is for the soul as matter to its form. That's one of them. And the instruments for the, the man or the person who puts them into motion, that by their means he may do their work. So he says, all of the goods of the body, which are indeed goods like health and life and strength and other things like that are ordained or ordered again ordinatur to the goods of the soul as to their end so what we've got here are two different arguments saying that listen the final end is something else the body is a means to that end actually the soul is kind of a means to that end as well but the the soul is closer to what that final end is and this is going to end up coming up again in a different way once we move on to article seven so let's look at this more plausible idea that the good of the soul is what happiness would consist in and again we should remind ourselves a little bit about the history of this question for ancient philosophers, you might think about the Platonists and the Aristotelians and the Stoics in particular. They thought that happiness actually did consist in a good or goods of the soul, namely the state of being virtuous or engaging in virtuous activity, if we wanna talk about Aristotle, because he makes a point of that, or the contemplation of the forms or something along those lines. Those are states of the soul for the Platonic, Aristotelian, Stoic traditions. So Thomas is diverging from them, but he's diverging in a way that pretty much all Christian thinkers have. And he brings up Augustine here in the on the contrary, right? Once you put a sort of monotheistic God into the picture as the nature of goodness itself, you can't really locate the ultimate good for a human being within their soul. But there were a lot of people who who thought that. And he provides some interesting arguments there in the objections. And he says, you know, these are not actually very good arguments. Let's take a look at the first one. Some good of the soul constitutes a person's happiness. Why? Because happiness is a person's good. And goods are threefold. External goods, goods of the body, goods of the soul. We eliminate external goods. We eliminate goods of the body. Therefore, by process of elimination, it consists in goods of the soul. Not a bad argument, so long as there aren't any other alternatives as we've seen that there can be. So Thomas makes a distinction about ends. He says that we can make a distinction in terms of the end, in terms of the thing itself that we desire to attain and the use, usus, Enjoyment can, is another way of translating it, or the you know the attainment or possession of that thing. So if before we get to the, you know ultimate happiness or anything like that, let's think about a hamburger, right? Assuming that you enjoy hamburgers. Or it could be if you're a, a vegan, uh, an ultimate burger, whatever it else it is that you want to have, right? So you're eating this thing, that is the enjoyment or uses of it, right? Now you could possess it, but of course it's going to break down after a while. So I don't know, maybe you freeze dry it, keep it for eternity. And you have in the back in your mind, I can always have a hamburger when I want to, right? Okay, that's an end. You could pursue that or you could pursue just the thing itself. And what would be the thing itself? It's hard to say in this case, maybe it would be thinking about having the hamburger. But in any case, when we're talking about the final end, For human beings, the thing that we're all desiring, whether we realize or not, as our human happiness, the final end, he says, for human beings can't be the soul or anything belonging to the soul. Why? And he provides some arguments here. One of these has this rather metaphysical basis. He says, the soul considered in itself is something existing in potentiality. For, For example, it becomes knowing actually from being potentially knowing and actually virtuous by being potentially virtuous. And he says, since potentiality is for the sake of act, as for its fulfillment, that which in itself is in potentiality cannot be the last end. So we can't say that the soul itself is the last end for human beings. And then he goes on and he says, it can't be anything belonging to the soul. So it can't be, we could, might say a shape or modality of the soul. He says, it can't be a power of the soul, a habit of the soul or an act of the soul. So, you know, a habit could be virtue, right? He goes on and he says, the good that is the last end is the perfect good fulfilling the desire but our appetite otherwise known as the will is for the universal good. Any particular good that we have in our soul, like say the courage that I possess or the generosity that I possess is not the universal good that the will actually desires. It's what Thomas calls a particular and a participating good. The goodness that I have in my soul by having the the habit of the virtue of courage is not having courage itself or virtue itself, right? So he says that can't be our last end either. Now it gets really interesting when we look at the second argument here. He says, if we speak of our last end, as to the attainment or possession thereof, or any use whatever of the thing desired as an end, then a human being in respect of the soul does, something of them does belong to the last end. Why? Because as Thomas tells us, we actually attain and thereby enjoy happiness through the soul. So happiness is not the soul or a a thing of the soul, but we attain happiness through the soul, or as he says, per animum, right? We are able to, as he's going to say later on, attain to or merit happiness through what we've done with our, our soul, and it's as a soul, could possibly connected with the body. There's a whole discussion about that, that we actually enjoy that happiness. So he says, consequently, we must say that happiness is something belonging to the soul, but that which constitutes happiness is something outside of the soul. So this is a very important distinction. What makes us happy is not our soul itself, but the happiness that we feel, the beatitudo in Latin, blessedness is another way of translating it, is in the soul, but only insofar as it's directed to that last end, and is enjoying that last end. So what he's providing here are arguments why goods of the body and even goods of the soul can't be happiness itself. But you notice that even the body plays a role in this insofar as it's connected with the soul, and the soul definitely plays a role in human happiness. It just isn't human happiness.